Hello and welcome to Timeless Truths, a sermon podcast from St. Mark Ministries in Greater Green Bay, Wisconsin. This week we continue our series, Home Life Broken to Blessed. In episode 15, let's join Pastor Ben Workentine as we learn what it takes to be a risk-taking household. So open up your heart, open up your Bible, and let's dig in to these timeless truths. Too many of our marriages contain brokenness or end in brokenness for us not to state the obvious. Building a home is risky. Marriage is risky. And maybe if you're in a marriage or there's a marriage in your rearview mirror, you know all too well those risks. Risk of change, of disappointment, of betrayal, of rejection. And if you're looking ahead to the possibility of marriage someday, I imagine some of those risks weigh on you. They maybe even sit in the back of your mind as you date and keep you from taking the next step in that relationship, or at least weigh in. Knowing the risks, it's important, it's wise. But some of the ways people try to minimize the risk, I'm not so sure of how wise they are. A recent article on the Nata wedding website says that the average length of uh, an engagement is 16 months. The thinking maybe goes along the lines of the more time I have between now and the altar, the better I'll understand and be able to minimize the risk of this marriage. That same article says that the average cost of a wedding in America ring included, is $34,000. Maybe there again, the thinking is something like, you get what you pay for, the tastier the food, the better the venue, the more fun the band, the more durable the marriage. And then people convince themselves that in order to minimize the risk of marriage, well, you just gotta marry for the right reasons. You gotta marry out of love or connection or status or wealth, and and then your marriage will last. But this chapter of Ruth lays out a pretty clear blueprint of what to look for, what should be on your list on must-haves and would like to have when looking for, when measuring somebody as a potential spouse. We've been looking at this book, this little book of Ruth. Just 85 verses, four chapters. Really extraordinary book about very ordinary people. Our main characters, Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, they're nobodies on the grand arc of history. And yet, in them and through them, God demonstrates this theme of chesed. Remember this Hebrew word that we've been talking about? This committed, loyal love, sometimes translated as kindness or mercy, God puts it on display in the lives of these average people. And as we pick up chapter three, we see Ruth taking on the risk of marriage. She takes a tremendous risk as she approaches Boaz with this idea of a lifelong union between the two of them. So if you're willing, if you've still got your Bible app or Bible open, let's dig in. Ruth chapter three, and see what it has to say about those who would endeavor to take the risk of marriage. 
You'll notice in that first paragraph, Naomi really, she really lays out reality. She's not confused about the way things are. See, the calendar in ancient Israel looks different than ours. Maybe if you're connected to the land in any way, you've got family that are farmers or, or uh, ranchers or, or have dairy cattle, you know that planting season is in the spring, harvest is in the fall. That's not the way it works. worked in ancient Israel. The counter looks like this, and if you've got eagle eyes, you can scout out when and where Boaz and Ruth first met, because it gives us a clue at the end of chapter one. It's the beginning of the barley harvest. We, chapter three, is at the end of the barley and the wheat harvest when those grains would be threshed. So if you can track the, the time scale here, it's a maybe three months, two months, three months that Ruth and Boaz knew each other. And Ruth knows that their family is now in danger because with the end of barley and wheat harvest, so too ends her time to glean, picking up those extra stalks that had fallen on the ground that God had provided for his people. But that's not the same in the fruit harvest and in the figs and the olives and everything else that they would harvest. And so her time for her family, Ruth and Naomi, their household, for income was coming to a close. And Naomi did not want Ruth to chase the grief of her widowhood into the grave. So Naomi gave her some instructions. That's what we find at the end of that paragraph. In Ruth chapter 3, verse 3, Naomi tells her, Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. This was the process to signal to her broader community that her formal time of grieving, of mourning, was coming to an end. It's not that she didn't miss her husband anymore, not that grief was somehow behind her, just meant that there was life to be lived. And she couldn't miss out on the rest of life because of a loss she had suffered. And so Ruth goes about following Naomi's instructions. She took a bold step. She was proactive when she propositioned Boaz, and she had to, because there was a, they were on the clock. Their ability to eat and live indoors was at risk. And so it's maybe a little bit, causes you to scratch your head to see just how risky Ruth was willing to be. See, the threshing floor in ancient Israel was known as a hive of scum and villainy. Okay, maybe not Moss Eisley. But it was acknowledged in the culture of the day with a wink and a nod that the threshing floor was not the place where men were faithful to their wives and their vows. They were out of the house, they were on their own, and it was a place kind of widely known, widely accepted, that prostitutes would visit. The demand was high, and there would be women who would meet, be willing to meet that demand. And Ruth approaches in such a way that she could have been confused for a prostitute. You know that she's in danger if she's willing to take that kind of risk. Because the way she approached Boaz in the, that way, dressed in that way, at that time of night, in that place, 
there were really only three options for how Boaz could have responded to her. He could have, option A, sent her away, dismissed her as a man of standing, as a man of moral character, just dismissed her, and she would have returned home in shame. He could have taken her into his bed, slept with her, and then discarded her. She would have gone home in shame. Option number three is the option Boaz took. But when you understand that, of those three options, the first two meant that Ruth and Naomi would have been doomed. Within a year, they would have been dead or full-time prostitutes. This was a tremendous risk on Ruth's part. Maybe if you're in the dating world right now, you sense that same kind of risk. You feel like there's only a couple of options and not, not good ones. With all the apps, the expectations, the stimulus on the internet, it is more difficult now than ever to date well, to date wisely in a way that minimizes unnecessary risk. So if you're in that world right now, I'm cheering for you, but I'm also worried for you. Which is why we need to talk about Ruth and how she went, she carried herself in that time. And just because this is a woman proposing to a man, to a man doesn't mean there isn't something for everybody who's dating, men included. Guys, there's wisdom here for you as you pursue a woman and pursue marriage. When you look at what Ruth did throughout this book, you'll notice how intentional she was. She was intentional about noticing the things that mattered. She knew what was on her list, and she watched for them. The first thing she looked for was a man of God, and Boaz was that. From the way he greeted people, remember, the Lord bless you, and the Lord be with you, the way he cultivated those relationships, the way that he cared for and treated everybody with dignity. It was clear this was a man of God. He lived out of the chesed, that committed love that God had shown to him, he reflected it to the people around him. The second thing she noticed, he was a man of character. Chapter two describes him as a man of standing. He was a virtuous man, a noble man. He was a good man. And it was so obvious that even kind of standing in the background for a couple of months, Ruth could see that in Boaz. Then finally, he was a man that would connect her to her community. She, he was her guardian redeemer or a guardian redeemer, which meant that she had no obligation to marry him. But the fact that she did, that she would propose marriage to him, shows that she knew that Boaz would connect her more deeply to the people that she already loved. He wouldn't pull her away. With those three things, those three criteria on her list, she had done all she could to minimize unnecessary risk in building a home with Boaz. And it's not like she didn't have other options. There were lots of other criteria that could have been on her list. Boaz recognizes that. He says in in verse 10, he says, you have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. In just one sentence, Boaz succinctly summarizes what she could have gone after. She could have gone after the status of marrying a younger man, the wealth of marrying a rich man, the love of marrying a poor man. 
She could have done that. But she chose not to. She knew the three things she was looking for. Boaz checked each of the boxes. Do you know what you're looking for? As you date and you think about marriage? Before we get too far into the specifics, let me say this, and I can't say it clearly enough. If you are unmarried, your value has nothing to do with your marital status. You are not closer to God because you're married or farther away because you're not. I can't tell you the number of Christians I've talked to, unmarried Christians, who feel like they're less than, less than Christians, less than partners at St. Mark because they're still unmarried. And if you've gotten that impression, if you've given that impression, it's wrong. Your value is entirely wrapped up in what God says about you. It has nothing to do with your marital status, nothing to do with your past, nothing to do with your virginity, nothing to do with how many kids you already have or how many kids you'd like to have. Jesus calls you my child. That is the voice that matters. Don't let anyone else or anything else call into doubt your worth. Ruth and Boaz were people of Hesed. They were a man and a woman of character, of noble character, independent of whether or not they were married. You don't have to be married to be valuable. In fact, you don't have to be married at all. There's a couple of pretty famous people in the Bible who are unmarried. Jesus comes to mind. So is the Apostle Paul. And Paul writes about his singleness. He says in 1 Corinthians 7, I wish that all of you were as I am. In the context, he's talking about being unmarried. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that. If you have the gift to remain unmarried, enjoy it. That's a blessing. That's a gift from God to be used for the building of his kingdom. Make the most of it. But for those of you who don't have the gift, and Probably most people don't. Coming to grips with the riskiness of marriage is step number one. To when Kimmy and I, my wife and I, were dating and I got serious about asking this beautiful, kind woman to spend the rest of her life with me, I wanted to know. I wanted to guarantee to know 100% for sure that I was making the right decision. So I asked, Dad, how did you know Mom was the one? Maybe you've asked the same question. The truth is, you don't. You'll never eliminate the risk. But a home that moves from broken to blessed isn't about eliminating risk. It's not about avoiding all risk at all costs at all times. It's about knowing the right risks to take. And doing so with wisdom and trust. This is a risk worth taking. And so we watch Ruth. Maybe not so much those articles. If you do a Google search, what are men looking for? What are women looking for? You'll find all kinds of articles. 25 signs, 38 ways. Know that they are not thinking with a mindset of the people of God, those who live inside of chesed. Because some of those articles will suggest that the way to minimize risk is to make sure that you're sexually compatible 
Or to check to see if your lifestyles sync up by moving in together. Or to make sure that your career is firmly established first. Or date lots of people to figure out what you want before you finally settle down. None of those actually minimize unnecessary risk. In fact, they are the modern equivalents of Ruth chasing after somebody because of love or status or wealth. Her three criteria are wise criteria for us to remember them. She was looking for a man of God, a man of character, a man of community. What if in your dating life you were intentional about looking for those three things? How would that change the equation? How would that change the risk that marriage poses? What if, guys, the girl you're dating made her faith a priority? She spent time, quiet time, in prayer and devotion and meditation, solitude, just her and her Savior? What if she gathered with a community that encouraged her in her faith, that she was able to encourage them in theirs? What if she made it a priority to show up on the weekends with God's people, around God's word, to celebrate all that he's done? How would that change the equation for you? Ladies, what if that guy you were dating was a man of character? So much so that the people around him talked about how dependable he is, his integrity, his kindness, his strength and gentleness. Would that change the equation for you? Would the unnecessary risk start to diminish? What if the person you're dating actually connected you more deeply to the people you already loved instead of isolating you, instead of separating you, instead of demanding that you choose between them and me, but actually pushed you closer to those who influenced you, who loved you and prayed for you, would that change the equation? What if you were intentional about looking for these three things? What if you were intentional about being these three things? Because if you're looking for these criteria in somebody else, you can pretty much guarantee that they're looking for similar criteria themselves. So how do you cultivate relationship with God, cultivate character, cultivate community. That question goes back to the theme of this book. This Hebrew word that we've been saying again and again that showed up, it's lived out and embodied, it shows up in words, this Hebrew word of chesed. See, the more that chesed of God gets into every nook and cranny of your life, the more transformed you will be. The reality is there's nothing you can do to make that happen. You simply sit in his presence. You gather for his table. You see him as the only one who has loved the unlovable. He was the perfect room because in his bride, the church, you and I and all the people who call on him, In us, he saw nothing redeemable, and yet he redeemed us anyway. He loved us because he had committed to loving us. He loved us because we needed him to love us. He loved us with his own life. That's our God. That's who he is to you and who he is to me. 
When someone loves you like that, you don't mind doing something a little strange because he asks it of you. And putting these three priorities in place, you will seem strange to your friends, to the people who influence you, social media, you will seem strange, maybe even to your folks. But when the voices out there put expectations on you that lead more often than not to brokenness, maybe it's not so strange to be strange. Ruth and Boaz knew who the other one was. And Ruth proposes. She does so with these beautiful words. She says, spread the corner of your garment over me. This was a a bid for acceptance, for closeness. She wanted to know, would Boaz come close to her? Would he accept her proposal? In the words here, hide a beautiful double entendre. It's a good, good translation. I'm not calling it into doubt the, the English translation. It's just that in the Hebrew, there's another layer here that we don't get to see easily. See, she literally says, spread your wings over me. It was a common way to propose. It was kind of an idiom that people would use back then. But there's a connection. She chooses these words so wisely because it connects to a prayer that Boaz had said earlier. Maybe you're recalling it. Boaz blessed Ruth. He prayed over Ruth in chapter two. He says this, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. God had heard Boaz's prayer and Ruth wanted to know, was Boaz willing to be the answer to those prayers? Would he step up himself and be the wing that covers Ruth? And see, that's why marriage is so beautiful. That's why it's a risk worth taking because it's one of the most incredible ways that God answers our deepest prayers. God, walk with me, answered in marriage. God, show me unconditional love, answered in marriage. God, don't leave me alone when I do hard things in your kingdom. A prayer answered in marriage. God, show me chesed, uh, this mercy in such a way that I can't ever ignore it. Answered in marriage. This is a risk worth taking. And as you do, be wise about minimizing the unnecessary risk. Ruth was sure and Boaz took action. And for all their differences, gender, income level, nationality, this man and this woman had one thing in common. Boaz calls her a woman of noble character, a mirror image of the exact mirror of the Hebrew phrase that, uh, that describes Boaz in chapter two, a man of standing. See, they were equal in this one way. They were equal recipients of the committed love of their Lord. They were equal in the ways that that love cascaded from them to the people around them. And so in so many ways, this was a match made in heaven. But their match doesn't need to be the only one that's that way. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Timeless Truths. Whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, we're glad you could join us. For more information or to support the work of St. Mark Ministries, check out our website at stmarkministries.com. Be sure to tune in next episode as we have a special Thanksgiving message. And remember, you matter and you are loved.